We're back. I'm really doing my best not to talk so long about the ayahuasca portion, but it's really difficult because that one was just the beginning of something I never expected. So the first night, like I said, I, I didn't really have any expectations or anything, but I, I started to feel left behind. Uh, we have this thing called integration. And the morning after our first ceremony, um, people get together and, and it's like a circle. And again, it's about 20 or so people, including the facilitators. So we have this uh, little beautiful stick that's passed around the room and people share their experiences what they got from it, et cetera. Um, so I, I was kind of wiped out. Um, I didn't leave the Maloka. I was the last one to leave. Um, almost every time I, I've done ayahuasca, I'm always the last one to leave, like six in the morning or something, seven in the morning. Everyone else is already gone. <laughs> I'm still in there. So I was, I was definitely the last one to leave. And they told me to leave because they were cleaning to get ready for the, for integration. And so not told me to leave, but I had to get myself together to, to, to get ready to go to integration. And as I said, I felt a little bit left out um, sometime because, uh, you know, I am a person who can blend in with everything and everyone. But I'm also a person who, I'm not really a follower. And so so many people who, you know, they're all vegan or they all talk a certain way or, you know, it was just, it was just, I wasn't really into any kind of thing. You know, I wasn't really into all different kinds of thoughts and all kind of different things. I just, I heard this word um, in a vision. And then that's what led me there. So I wasn't one of the people who regularly do any kind of thing or not any kind of group or associations or anything like that. So, so many people kind of, you know, they either do this, they do that, they've been to these places before, they've, you know, many kinds of things. And I really admire that. But um, I was not the person who had done anything, you know, in this kind of, in, in this way. And so as people were starting to talk and share, um, they were saying all these different kind of things like holding space. And I'll remember holding space uh, because I'll come back to that. As a matter of fact, um, I'm even going to take a note right now. Holding space. Because I remember that and I had a roommate uh, we're still friendly to this day. And he was the first person to say, yeah, nothing really happened. I was holding space last night. And I was just like, what does that mean? And then several other people said it. And then, you know, many people say the same things, you know, like uh, use the all these different kinds of terms. 
And so I really didn't understand. And I started thinking, okay, this is just people talking, saying something. But later on, I understand holding space much better. But out of, let's say, 18, 20 people, there were some great stories, man. Like people saw so many different things. Like I was a snake or I was a, I was a lion and I was crawling and I was... You know, all different different kind of stories. And, and again, I'm, I wasn't in for it for any kind of thing other than, um, like I said, my initial intention was I wanted to see God without dying. That was my intention. But because I was dealing with my mom, trans, I knew she was going to transition soon. I switched my intention to see how I can handle that. So my primary focus was uh, just that. I, I really wasn't, I had no no idea, no clue as to what I could possibly witness or see or learn. I just I just was going along for the, with the flow because what I heard was so strong, like to leave my beautiful life in Los Angeles and then this word ayahuasca. But then, like I said, when I, when I, I didn't really research ayahuasca, I just was curious because I'd never heard of the word. So I just did some, some investigation about that part. But when I heard that word and I knew to leave my comfortable, well, I'm never really comfortable, but I really love my life in California, really. Um, I just said, you know what, nothing, nothing matters. I, I heard this from something I trust, and I just go with it. So I didn't have any any clue as to what to expect. However, I'm in this environment, and I'm the only one or one of the only ones who have no story to tell. So it come around to me, and I'm just like, well, I found out that I carry my stress in my stomach. Like, <laughs> you know, that was basically it that I that I got. And again, I don't want to belabor the the ayahuasca part too much about what I'm working on as far as just doing this uh, podcast because I don't want it to become inundated with just an ayahuasca point of view. However, um, that is really a major part of this journey for me. So I'll I'll jump past the second night relatively quickly because the second night was was more of the same. Um, I I laid in the same spot. Um, I was next to a person who I really enjoyed laying next to um, because she her energy really matched mine well, and she was nurturing a little bit. Um, but what I do remember about the second night was. Uh, the first night, it was a couple. They were an older couple. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was the couple of the first night. I'm almost certain it was the couple of the first night. It was a it was a man and a woman shaman. I think, I think. I have everything written now. I ever did some video, but I, I, I think I'm correct. And so they were lovely, but their their ikaros, their tone was really warm and, and, and gentle, in my opinion. Um there was this other brother. He's young, man, and I, I, f I forget his name right now. He got a beautiful name. Uh, I forget the name at the moment. But he was the shaman for the for the next night, and his younger energy. And he's really he's a real shaman. He's not just there to make some money and some bogus guy. He's really a shaman and a great great person. Really knowledgeable about the jungle and everything. But his and his voice was beautiful. It was like people called him the Justin Timberlake of the jungle <laughs> because his voice was beautiful and everything. However, his energy was like really, it would be like I can compare it to like a rock singer. Like, 
and it was really aggressive. So the second ceremony, I remember, I would never forget this, man. I'm laying down, like I said, in the same space, and soon as the ceremony started, like 30 minutes into it, uh, there was one guy started crawling across the floor like a spider or something. I didn't see him as a spider, but he just really was saying he's a spider. And the, the, the sound, the music that he was singing was so aggressive and so loud. And, and this particular night, people were just up. They were just walking around and screaming and dancing and yelling. And, and it just felt like a crescendo, like everything was so loud at the same time. And again, I, I don't, I don't uh, interfere with anybody's process. They can, they can be quiet such as I, they can make noise. I don't question or, or judge anybody's body's thing. But for me, um, I remember feeling uncomfortable because it just was like, this is just not my scene right now, man. Like, it wasn't about the ayahuasca. It just was, it was so loud and it was so aggressive um, that I left. I left out. And I went back to my, my cabin and I stayed there. When I went back to my cabin, um, you know, had already drank um, ayahuasca. So nothing powerful really came even then. However, I was laying on my bed and I'm looking out of the window. And, and if you've ever been to the jungle, uh, you know that it's just so beautifully na na uh, natural. And, and it's, just, it's just so fantastic. Like the moonlight and the stars are so bright and the sounds from outside, all these sounds that I'm not so familiar with, all these different animals and insects and all these great sounds, man. I was just absorbing that and soaking that up. And I remember looking out of the window and the tree, I can't say the tree transformed or something like that, but it's just leaves. But then suddenly the leaves kind of have a shape of a face. But again, it's not like some vision. It's really me looking at the tree. And the tree has like a, a, a facial structure almost. And you have to forgive me if some of the words I say are not accurate uh, as far as the quotes and how it laid out because I just kind of stopped thinking about my ayahuasca experience recently. Uh, for a reason, but I, that's that's a long ways away for me to get to. But I just kind of even put that in the back burner a little bit um, because I'm so into ayahuasca as far as the the lessons and the learning and how intelligent and how loving Mother Ayahuasca is that I just I just kind of stepped away from thinking about it so much. Uh, so I haven't read over my notes in years, man. I haven't. So um, the, the bottom line to these stories are 100% accurate, but just some of the timeline might be a little bit off a little bit, just being honest, like because I almost purposely kind of uh, stopped thinking about all of the detail of the, of the ayahuasca because I felt like even that was cheating myself and my own personal growth. I was thinking about all these moments a little bit too much not too much for most people just just for me it was like okay i just want to just not focus on that so much but getting back to the second the second ceremony night uh 
the trees, like I said, it was this one big, huge tree right outside my window. And it looked like it had the shape of the form of a facial structure, not a clear face or something like that, but a facial structure. And then I hear, uh, that's my daughter. And I started like looking into like, am I, am I tripping? Like was, I wasn't afraid um, or anything. I was by myself in a room, but I, I wasn't afraid or anything, but it was definitely a familiar voice once again, along with a facial structure within the leaves. Uh, that's my daughter. And it was almost as if we were already having a conversation because I knew that was in reference to my mom. And so I started thinking, what? I, my, I, I'm talking to myself, but I can hear the words, but I'm not saying any words out of my mouth. But I can hear the words I'm saying. Like, you know, I don't want to lose my mom. That's my daughter. Uh, what would I'm going to do if she leaves? That's my daughter. And what that's my daughter. And I just keep kept hearing that's my daughter over and over again. And without a whole bunch of words that that's my daughter were saying, everything is going to be okay. And I specifically remember knowing for sure. Before, it was just because I'm an observant, sensitive person. And I knew... I knew when I saw my mom that she would never go home again from the hospital or for the, from the home. But this was like validation on top of just my own little poor quality thinking. I, I forget exactly what was said or what was done or the moment, so forgive me for that. But I knew for sure that my mom was going to transition. And at that moment that I knew my mom was going to transition, I felt so awful. I felt so terrible. Like, it's official. Like, my mom is, is going to leave me. And, but I, once again, I kept hearing, that's my daughter. And there was a couple other things in there. Um, but I kept hearing, that's my daughter. But then, um, I have always been, I don't like saying this term anymore now, but again, I got to speak this way. Like when I'm writing poetry, um, I gotta, for example, I've been writing poetry and I've been lately posting it. And when I post the poetry, it's saying words that I don't use anymore. But I gotta keep those words because that's where I was then when I was writing that. Again, I'm not a poet, but I really love that format because it allows me to speak more creatively. And so that's why I like it. I'm not a poet or something. I just really like that format. So, but when I write this stuff, I just keep it as is because that's where I am at that moment. And I don't really want to change. I want to be true to the moments because there is some growth in, in this stuff, even if it's just a word change. So I remember after realizing that my mother was going to leave, and I don't like saying this because people start to misinterpret what you're trying to say. I don't like to just say God all the time because um, I think that, uh, cheats us sometimes from what we're learning from ourselves to always say it's God talking to us. But then to, to not say it is also cheating because it possibly is him talking to us. So I just rather stay away from using that term because there's no way to prove anything. And sometimes when you say it that way, people just turn off immediately. But I would tell you just my truth. If people like it or don't like it, I'm a person who always believe there is a God. 
And this voice has been familiar to me my entire life. And so that's who I associate that voice with. And so when I kept hearing, that's my daughter, it was reassuring. And then it was some moment, you have to forgive me, where I knew for sure my mom would leave. And even though I felt sad, I was pulled out of the sadness immediately. But it, the, the way I was pulled out of the sadness immediately was so shocking to me. Because like I said, I've always been a mama's boy. And like I used to cry when my mom would leave. Sometimes I thought my uh, some of my family members were really mean to me. And my mom was you know, going to nursing school at the time and she wasn't always around. And, and we were living in our, our family house with my grandparents and my aunties and it's this big, huge house. And I used to be afraid of different things. Because I used to see people, my brother used to tell me it was ghosts, and I really used to see things. I really used to see them, and my brother would scare me, and my grandmother would scare me, and and so I was uh, often afraid, and I just always wanted my mom to be around. I, I never had a dad or anything like that around, so I felt more protected when my mom was there, and so when I was crying and stuff like that, people just would beat me more or something, yell at me more hit me more because I was crying instead of figuring out why is this person crying? You know, this person is saying something in these tears. What is he saying? But nobody thought about that. They just were trying to get me to stop crying by hitting me or something. <laughs> okay, let me punch you a couple, a couple times in the back <laughs> and see if that'll make it stop, you know? Um, so uh, I had this, this, this ongoing thing with my mom where my whole life I wanted her to just you know, say she's proud of me because I, I never did anything bad in my whole life, man. I just I was a really good kid. You know, you do kid stuff, but I, I I didn't do anything to bring shame to my mom or anything like that. And I always put her first. And I mean, I was just a big fan of my mom, man. Like really, in my private thoughts, like, and then then outwardly, all everybody knows, like my mom is my hero. This is not now that she's gone. This is every day of her life. She know. She's my real hero, and I treated her like that every single day. So how I got suddenly pulled out of my sadness for her transitioning, it was like the voice was chastising my mom. So we went from, that's my daughter, that's my daughter, to I'm starting to remember these different things that she did and she participated in, you know, towards me. My mother never did anything horrific to me or something, but... There was times where I got whippings and stuff that was unfair or I felt like even if it was justified in, in the way that people were doing it then, um, I thought it was extreme sometime or too much or where is this really coming from? Is it really because I did this? I'm getting this much punishment, you know. So, but I, I never, you know, we, we're boys and I'm, like I said, I'm from Detroit. So you, you grow up, you got to be tough. Like you cannot make it through a city, New York, Chicago, LA, Detroit. You know, you can't you cannot be a little brother <laughs> in the city and be so soft about things, even if it's unfair. Even if it's unfair, you know, that's an unfortunate thing actually because the chosen seed never gets the benefit of the doubt. And I don't like saying black anymore and all that type of stuff. The chosen seed never gets the benefit of the doubt. We can never just be afraid kids. We can never just be innocent people. We can. It's always somebody, oh, you know what you're doing. <laughs> no, I don't know what I'm doing, man. Give me a break. I'm 12. 
So we never get that. So you cannot be so soft and so, so as my grand uncle said, timid. You, you just can't be that way. So even though my mom may have done something that was too much to me specifically, um, I never uh, thought bad of her about it. I never blamed her for it. I, I didn't even need to forgive her because I never held anything inside. 